What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 69 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Corey, week four is in the books. I know my biggest takeaway was I wanted the primetime games to be a little bit more competitive. They were, to a point, I guess, maybe a little bit more watchable. I'll say that, and now I know the Sunday night football game and the Monday night football game were two-score games, and as well as a Thursday night game, but... Week four overall, I thought it was pretty good. The London game as well was a little competitive. But, yeah, I'm excited to kind of dive deeper into this and talk about some football. Yeah, Pao, I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, already week four, four weeks gone by, solid week. I mean, every week to me, it could be all close games, all blowouts. Like just watching football, nothing really liked it. So, yeah, excited to talk about it. Yeah, we'll start first with the Thursday night football game. And I didn't want to really say it was very exciting of a game. Bengals took down the Miami Dolphins 27 to 15 in this one. But the main story about this game core will be the Tua Tugavailoa injury. Obviously, everybody saw the video from him last Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. Kind of, they diagnosed it as a back injury, but he was stumbling a little bit, left that game, then re entered that game eventually, gets cleared to play on Thursday. And I mean, it was it was tough, carted off the field. Tua is in good spirits now. He was able to fly home with the team but I mean at that moment core like in time like it, it was definitely scary uh just seeing him kind of on the field there and um definitely kind of almost just makes you like forget like it like you remember that it's, it's it's more than a game you know what I mean these guys are more than players and stuff like that so hopefully for Tua he's not playing this week I'm I'm I'd be surprised like he's gonna end up playing I think at this at some point in the season which I think is like pretty impressive if you ask me there's definitely um probably like another like mental block if you ask me that he would have to clear now getting back on the field if you ask me maybe he's like a little gun shy in a sense but yeah hope nothing nothing but the best for Tua man because he, I mean, he's a good guy and uh just sucks to see anybody like that yeah man I like Tua and I'm gonna say this like as someone who who plays football in college like not really a person who's like all like that much contact like I'm a kicker but obviously I got a lot of respect for like I know like a lot of people who don't play football like they don't have like they just like watch the game. They're like, ah, come on. But, like, I have a lot of respect for anyone who goes out there. I mean, football, like at the end of the day, like we watch, but I think it's just like a really violent, really dangerous sport. So um, yeah, I mean, guys can get really hurt out there. Obviously, Tua, that just wasn't a joke. I don't like any of those like memes about him, like throwing up gang signs. Like, I just don't think that really sits well because like the guy literally was really hurt. And I hope he's all right. And I, if I'm the coach, if I'm anyone in that organization, like I'm not telling, like I'm letting Tua make his decision. Like if Tua says, yeah, I don't feel comfortable going out there the rest of the season, like you got to live with that. Cause this guy, I mean, obviously last week he was con- kind of looked like he was concussed. And then this week, like a really, really, really scary injury. Like you got to let him take his time. And when he's ready, he'll go back out there if he does go back out there, but you got to respect Tua's decision and just hope um, he's all right. And, and the time will come where you can go back out there and ball out. Yeah, and more importantly, too, the NFL definitely is going to have to relook at their concussion protocol and getting players cleared, like, mid-game and stuff. That's definitely something that they're already going to put into effect, like, as early as next week, which is good. Obviously, there's going to be a lot that comes out of the Tua situation because there's a lot of people obviously want to point the finger right now. I think one guy maybe who I don't think should get, like, any like really any of the blame if you actually would be head coach Mike McDaniel if like he's a head coach right he's not a neurologist like if he gets cleared by an independent 
neurologist, and he gets cleared by the team doctors to uh, and he gets Mike McDaniel gets the go ahead. I mean, what is Mike McDaniel supposed to do? Not put him on the field because Mike that that like, if he didn't, the Mike McDaniel would almost be like. Like, why does Mike Mike McDaniel doesn't know more than these guys when it comes to those injuries and stuff? So, if Mike McDaniel got the go ahead from all those guys, got the go ahead from Tua, then like I think it's kind of like it's just not the you're just not pointing the right finger if you're going at McDaniel, even though he's the head coach. I understand that like maybe somebody wants somebody to blame there, but it, it in no way, if you ask me, should fall to him if he's given all the clearance and stuff like that. And Tua's like, yeah, I'm good to go. So. Obviously, too, as a competitor, he's going to say to go. But when you have guys that there's specifically are doctors who are not associated with the team, they're just associated with the league. So if that guy clears them, I, I just don't see how you could then put it on McDaniel. Because again, if he was perfectly fine and stuff like that, and then McDaniel doesn't play him, then it's all a whole spin zone of like, are you a head football coach or are you a doc? Like, you know what I mean? You think you know more than these doctors? So I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really like how people were kind of maybe going after him for that. Yeah, I don't think it's on. Mike McDaniel at all. Like you said, he is not the team trainer. He's not the team doctor. But I honestly think – I think a lot of this is just, like, unfortunate and it's just, like, com- like it's just the nature of how physical, like, the sport of football is. Like, if Tua gets cleared and Tua – like, you think if Tua gets cleared but Tua in his mind was like, yeah, I still feel like – I don't feel right, like – I don't I don't know. Like I don't think they're forcing him to go out there. Like I think a lot like I think it was just unfortunate, but I think like if he was cleared, like I don't know how you could blame anyone when Tua went out there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if Tua wasn't feeling right, like he could have been like unless like he has that much pressure on him. He could have been like, Yeah, I still feel like woozy. I still feel concussed. I don't feel right. And I don't think any of the team doctors or the coaches are gonna be like, Yeah, you have to go out there. I don't know how it went down. But like he gets cleared, Tua still is the guy who's playing, and I don't know. He decided to go out there, so I think it's just like unfortunate how it happened, and like it's just a really dangerous sport. But I don't know. I think maybe he shouldn't have been cleared, but I think Tua agreed to like go out there. I think it was just unfortunate he got a big hit again, and he got like a really serious injury. But I don't know. That's how I kind of stand on it. Like I'm not really blaming anyone in this scenario if he was cleared and Tua said I'm good to go like I don't know I think it's just unfortunate yeah I, I agree with you on that part I think that maybe I wouldn't like like Tua of course is going to want to come back though and of course he might like say that he feels better maybe deep down inside of him because he's just a competitor you know what I mean these guys are competing at the highest level in the NFL I can't even imagine like they don't want to sit a second on the bench so that's why these like guidelines are set up and protocols to protect the guys like that because they know that these guys want to rush back onto the field and stuff. So, yeah, maybe necessarily not pointing the finger at anybody specifically, but maybe just at, like, the whole system in general. And hopefully that will be revised a little bit because, I mean, Cameron Braid as well had a situation on Sunday Night Football where he kind of gets his bell rung a little bit. He comes off the field. The Buccaneers even, like, took a penalty because they had, like, 12 men on the field because he didn't get off in time. He ended up coming back into the game and then left later, and now he's been diagnosed with a concussion too. So, I mean – he went back onto the field with a concussion. I mean, this was three days. This was Sunday night, three days after the incident just happened with Tua. So the NFL, I mean, concussions is definitely one of those topics in the NFL world that, like, it's very it's very sensitive, obviously, with all the stuff that's coming out, especially with CTE. And it, it's, like, a, I don't want to say, like, a newer thing in a sense, but it's gained a lot of traction, a lot of, like, it's moved in more into the spotlight. And it's definitely something that should not be taken lightly at all. So hopefully they can look over that stuff. Core in the near future, though, 
with the Miami Dolphins. Teddy Bridgewater will be at the helm. Uh, how do you feel about that? I think Teddy Bridgewater could win them some games. I know they play the Jets this week, so like that's a game that Teddy should be able to win if you ask me. But as far as their ceiling, do I think they can win a playoff game with Teddy Bridgewater? No. Do I think they're going to have to? Probably not. I think Tua will be on the field come, I don't know, maybe even in a month. Maybe it won't even be that long. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think Teddy will be able to ride the ship. Yeah. Just, I, I think he'll be, he'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. I think Teddy Bridgewater, kind of guy in this league who kind of gets, like, taken for granted. Like, any place he's been at, like, he's done well. I mean, even when he started in Minnesota, like, he won football games. And then I know he's on the Jets for a little bit after his ACL. Goes to the Saints. He wins football games. Like, last year on the Broncos, I know he didn't, like, Okay, it did serviceable, but like, yeah, he put his team like in a position to. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but like they were there. Like to, Teddy Bridgewater's, like to me, he could be starting. Like you look at the quarterbacks starting across the league, he could start on on one of these teams. So I think if you have Teddy Bridgewater as your backup, I think you're in a solid spot to have, for at least Teddy to like hold it down. Like he's gonna come, he's gonna go out there. It's not like you have Teddy Bridgewater out there and you're going to be like, oh, like, we're at a major disadvantage. Like, we're not going to win another game. Like, I think at this point in their careers, like, Tua, how he's playing, I think obviously Tua is better than Teddy, but I don't think it's, like, that that big of a difference. Like, I think Teddy can for sure – I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Tua comes back. I don't know their schedule off the top of my head. Like, let's say he comes back, like, week eight and, I don't know, through seven games – the, uh, the Dolphins are five and two or four and three. Like, I don't think – I think they'll be able to hold it down. I think they'll be fine. Um, like you said, I, I don't think the upside is as high. Like, if if Teddy plays the whole season, I don't think he's winning the playoff game either. But if you need him to play for a few games, I think Teddy Bridgewater can go out there and win you some football games. Yeah, I mean, their upcoming schedule, they at the Jets this week. Then they host Minnesota. They host Pittsburgh. They go to Detroit. They go to Chicago, and they host Cleveland. Yeah, and they host Houston. Like that's a, yeah. that's a like. I mean, even with Teddy Bridgewater, you got to think that in all yeah. but one of those games are going to be favored, and they probably will be favored in the game at home against Minnesota. I know now. I'm forecasting maybe a month under. Like I said, maybe Tua isn't even out more than this week. We we don't know. So yeah, I don't think it's a major major thing yet, but it's definitely something though that if Tua were to not return, I think it definitely hurts their upside a little bit. Real quick on the Cincinnati Bengals sides of things, they get back to two and two, tied atop of the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns are also two and two. Their defense, I mean, through four games, they played Trubisky, Cooper Rush, they lost to, and then they played Joe Flacco and a quarter of two at Tugavala with Teddy Bridgewater. So they're going to get a real test this week with Lamar Jackson at the quarterback position, obviously the most dynamic quarterback that they've seen to date this year. They handled the Ravens pretty well last year. I know um, their offense went crazy in the game, but definitely curious to see if this Bengals defense, which kind of played really well for them in the playoffs. Obviously in the playoffs, they had to settle for a lot of field goals. Their defense was really good. So maybe it's just something that's a nice carryover into 2022. Corey, let's switch conferences here. Let's go to the NFC. And first, we're going to start with some surprise teams through four weeks. I'll be a little bit of a homer here, Corey, but the New York Giants at 3-1, and one, coming off a 20-12 to 12 victory over the Chicago Bears. Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator there, has just done an excellent job 
getting to the quarterback and their Giants are winning big on third downs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Chicago kicked four field goals in this game. They never really had anything going. And offensively, the Giants ran, ran, ran the football. I mean, their receivers, too, are very depleted. No Kadarius Toney, Wandell Robinson also out. Sterling Shepard out for the year. Kenny Gowdy got a little banged up in this game. And even if he wasn't, uh, he just hasn't been a factor for them this year. So they lose Daniel Jones to an injury. He ends up coming back but doesn't really do anything. They ran wildcat like the last eight minutes of the game. Hopefully, he's good to go this week in London against the Packers. It looks like he's going to be. But at 3-1 and one going into a game, like I said, in London, which as we just saw this past week, who knows what happens in these London games against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, even as one of the most optimistic fans, I mean, if you would have said that I'm the Giants are 3-1 and one after four weeks, I would have been like, yeah, I'm for sure going to take that. And you could even argue like, the game that they lost, the Monday night game against Dallas, yeah, they were all overmatched like on the line of scrimmage, specifically Dallas's defensive line got to Jones all day. But, I mean, that was a game. I mean, they lost this game by one possession. So it wasn't like they were out of that game either. They've competed. And, yeah, it looks like Brian Dables really changed the culture there. So good for them. And, I mean, like I said, maybe I'm a little biased, but I, I, I think it's fair to say they're a pretty big surprise in the NFC. Yeah, I think for sure. I think the, I think the Giants, if you look in the NFC – like, I mean, the Bears are pretty bad. I mean, the Panthers, like teams like that, maybe the Lions are like – I would put – I mean, the Lions are competitive. I'd put the Giants above those teams. I'd even put them above, like, the Commanders, like teams like that. So, I think you look at their schedule through four games, and, yeah, I think I, I don't think the Giants are like a good enough team where, like, no matter who they're playing, like, you could say, like, oh – Four and zero or bust. Like I think for them to go three and one against no matter who they were playing, like they took care of business. I think the next two games are going to be bigger tests against Baltimore and and Green Bay. But yeah, I mean Saquon Barkley looks like the old like Saquon that we knew of. I mean, have the, he's he's back to like that workhorse type role. Got the ball thirty one times, and yeah, I mean I think yeah Brian Gable doing doing a good job there. So I think. They can lean on the run and the defense. I think like that's a recipe for them to win. I, I don't think the offense is like explosive where like they really want to get in like any types of shootouts, but like, Hey, if they can stick it to their game plan, run the ball and um defend, like play good defense. I think, yeah, I think the giants have a chance because after those two games, the schedule kind of gets a little bit lighter again. Like they have the AFC South, they have their own conference. So yeah, these two games, I think ideal goal would if they can split i think they're they're in um, good hands and listen i'm not even like if they go over two but they lose both of these games in one score games and you know i mean maybe lamar beats them in week six and that's vice versa rogers did week five just goes on a game winning drive it, like i don't know again there's no there's no such thing as a good loss in the nfl but like you feel a little better and maybe feel hopeful that all right maybe this team isn't just like like they can compete with these teams. I'm like I said, they're not gonna. Do I think they're gonna win Super Bowl this year? No. But like, could could they maybe compete come the late weeks in December? Yeah, I think that that this team has the ability to, especially with how their schedule was drawn. So we'll see. Saquon Barkley does look like the best back in football. Too. He said 31 carries. I remember Corey, we were talking like early in the year. I think it was like it was either 27 or 28 because we were saying about like how Henry. Henry. Yeah. Average like 27 and 28 carries a game last year. And I was like, Saquon had only gotten like that many carries in the game once. So, I mean, that's a huge workload for him, even when he was fully healthy. But, I mean, again, he looks 
as good as he did in 2018, honestly, if not even better. The Giants' offensive line, they've had their struggles in pass protection, but run blocking, it's been great. And Andrew Thomas is an absolute stud. He is maybe behind Trent Williams, the best left tackle in football. He's grading out as consistently the best left tackle in football. Robert Quinn was an absolute non-factor for the Chicago Bears, a guy who I think had like 18 sacks last year for them. So it's really incredible. Dave Gettleman hit a home run with that pick. Dexter Lawrence as well, one of Dave Gettleman's picks, played really well on the defensive front without Leonard Williams next to him. So good for the Giants. A couple other teams I think that are really surprising in the NFC. The Atlanta Falcons are 2-2. Two and two. They had a nice victory this past week over the Cleveland Browns and the Dallas Cowboys are three and one three and oh with Cooper Rush since he took over there court a I mean which one are you a little bit more surprised with I know I know I said like the Falcons are two and two it's not really something to write home about but I personally thought the Falcons were going to be a bottom three team in the NFL I like to beat the Browns who are decent you know what I mean they're playing decent football they came back almost in that game against the Rams so I don't know but at the end of the day too Cooper Rush is three and oh which is equally as impressive if not more I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the, the games, I think I think Dallas is a team where their defense is really good, like top five um, defense in the league. So if you're going to tell me which team I'd be more surprised, I'd say the Falcons at two and two, but the Falcons are a team who's like in previous, like they've been able to go out and compete, like even on our previous episode, um, like our preview episode, like early before week one, like. I said, like, I didn't think the Falcons would be a playoff team, but, like, I thought they'd be competitive. I think I, I, I thought they'd be better than the Panthers in that division. But, I mean, obviously it's still early. But I'd say the Falcons and, you'd like, the Seahawks, too, at um, 2-2, two and two, they beat the Broncos. I don't think a lot of teams thought them. And then, yeah, this week they got in. I know the, the, the Lions were really banged up on both sides of the ball, but they kind of got in an absolute shootout in Geno Smith. Playing good ball, I'd say that's my biggest surprise. Geno Smith playing as good as he is, and yeah, keeping Seattle like in football games and making them look like respect a respectable opponent. Because yeah, that's probably my big surprise. Geno Smith's been a career journeyman. Um, I've been a fan of Geno Smith since he was on the Jets, but like yeah, it's good to see him going. But like that's definitely my biggest surprise. Yeah, I mean, Chino Smith is like top three in the league in quarterback rating. It's unbelievable what he's done. I mean, this is a guy who's been a backup for the last eight years of his career, takes over for Russell Wilson and has played better uh, a four-game stretch that if you took Wilson's best four games in a row in Seattle, probably rivals what Geno Smith has done. And yes, I know he was going against a Detroit line defense that gave him really anything he wanted. But still, I mean, 48-45 was still a crazy game. That's like one of those real exciting ones that there was just absolutely zero defense played in. And, yeah, good for Gene. I mean, 320 yards in the air, two throwing touchdowns, added one on the ground. Goff, too, if you ask me, has looked pretty good this year. I mean, I think the Lions are like one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. If not, they actually might be the highest. I mean, it's crazy. Even without DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown, they still put uh, – DJ Chark as well. They put up 45 points, which is just as nuts. Uh, I don't think Goff, like I said – Nobody's writing home as him the answer in Detroit, but, I mean, he's still putting up numbers there. You know what I mean? Yes, maybe they're a little bit of, like, gaudy numbers because their defense can't stop anybody. But still, I mean, this is a guy who, when he was traded, they were like, oh, yeah, he's just a salary dump. But, no, he's proven that he's still a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, there is some talent there. That's why he was the number one overall pick just, what, six years ago in 2016. But, yeah, Geno Smith, I mean, has been one of the biggest surprises, if you ask me, of this football season. I mean, as crazy as this core, 
I mean, he's, he actually might get a shot next year to, like, stay as Seattle's quarterback. And, like, Seattle, like, I'm not going to say that they're, like, they're not, pe- like, penning Geno Smith in as their quarterback for the next six to eight years. But, like, going into the season, you're probably thinking, all right, Seattle's going to stink, and then they're going to pick high in the draft and take a quarterback. But now it's almost like, all right, Seattle, like, if maybe if we win, like, seven, eight, like, seven games, like, we don't have a crazy good roster. Like, maybe Geno gets another shot next year, but who knows? I, I mean, right now, that Russell Wilson trade looks like a home run for them, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, would they get three? Was it three first-round picks, I think? Two. It was two, yeah. but they got, like, Stan, who, like, was a former first-rounder. Oh, okay. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Geno's, like, they got Drew Locke back, who I think Drew Locke, People were ready to call Drew Locke the starter. People thought they were crazy for going with Geno Smith over Drew Locke because, like, Drew Locke at least showed, like, some, like, like, you know what I mean? He's got, like, some crazy traits, but the problem is is that, like, he's just never put it together. But they're Mm -hmm. like, nope, we're going to go with Geno, and it's Geno's world, man. Yeah, I mean, Pete Carroll, obviously really good Um, head coach. He's won a Super Bowl. Obviously, the offensive coordinator, good job. Quarterbacks coach. Getting that together, having trust in Geno. But, yeah, I was going to say, like, the trade – they also got Drew Locke, who was like a guy, obviously, what, second round pick out of Missouri, like was a guy who was supposed to have a lot of potential and honestly like showed flashes on the Broncos. And I thought he was going to be the starting quarterback, maybe a chance for him to like show what he can do. But I think at the end of the day, like we all thought they have a pretty bad year. They try to get like Bryce Young, CJ Stroud um, in, the, in the next draft. But I don't know. I think even if Geno Smith, let's say Geno Smith goes out there has a good season, like really good season. I don't know. Some out throws for like, yeah, like over, like a little over 4,000 yards, we say. Uh, touchdowns, I don't think they bring back Geno Smith. I think Geno can get a chance somewhere else, but I don't know. I just like, the only way he comes back is if, like, let's say, I don't know, let's say somehow they're in the draft and like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud are there. Like, I don't see them passing. Of course, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, like if those guys aren't there, Maybe they'll be like, all right, another year of Gino, or maybe they'll trade up. Like, yeah, obviously, if they're not trading, like they're not going to reach on a guy for like Will, like Levis. Uh, if, if I said that right, like I don't think they reach. Like I think those two guys, obviously, you take over Gino, but I think anyone else. I mean, I could see it, but obviously, I don't think Gino's like, um, the long term answer. It's just weird, like guys like Goff, Gino. I mean, like those guys are putting up numbers, like balling out, but like. No matter where they go, like they're never going to be looked at as like the the answer or like a, a guy who's going to be like get us to the playoffs. Like they're more guys just like eat up years, like make us like I wouldn't even say Gino is, but like Goff, like um, the guys just like keep us come like somewhat competitive in games. But like I feel like those are guys like while being quarterback, like the goal for those teams is obviously you want to make the playoffs, but like going into the year, like yeah, they're their quarterbacks and they're not the answer. They're just like eating up games like that's how i think of them but they're both doing really good so i don't know yeah i mean i don't think either of these two yeah are the long-term answers there but i, I don't know how i like necessarily feel about like i mean if these two guys though were on teams that like have 10 win aspirations you know what i mean it, it's just not gonna look as good if you ask me because like they're not trailing as much in games so like maybe their numbers aren't as big so sometimes it's tough yeah. to evaluate them and like look at golf and be like oh like maybe golf should get a chance on like a better team and stuff like that but again you put them on a better team like I don't want to say like, we we have seen Goff on in one of the best supporting casts that he could be in Los Angeles, and he just like he couldn't get them over the hump. So we'll we'll have to see what their futures hold. Like I said, I think that 
both of these two teams, though, through four weeks, are getting pretty good quarterback playing. At least for their fan bases, it's a little exciting. Even though I don't know what the line's like one and three, but it's an exciting one and three at least if, mm-hmm. if that means anything. Which, mm-hmm. if you ask me, if you ask me, it doesn't. But for some people, it does. Core, we'll talk about the top of the NFC because that's what a lot more people care about. Two big time contenders, if you ask me. We had the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers preseason, a shade above everybody else. Bad losses in prime time. You had the Buccaneers. I mean, Patrick Mahomes again just reminded everybody why he's, if not one, one, one A, like one B, which I, I mean, it's, it's incredible. That touchdown that he ended up throwing, I can't even think exactly to who it was now. It was the Clyde, right? I was, I was yeah. gonna say it was the Clyde, but I was yeah, when he, you know, the play too, when yeah. he's just rolling out. It, he does something on a football field almost every week that it just amazes you, leads you with your jaw on the floor. It's incredible what the guy can do. The Rams on Monday night looked really bad. Their offensive line has been real banged up this year, and it showed. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers defense is also elite, one of the best units in football. But outside of Cooper Cup, they have no help there. Stafford, eh, like not as good as he was last year. And I don't know, Jimmy G just owns the Rams in the regular season, and Kyle Shanahan does a good job coaching. Again, Sean McVay. So, Cora, I'll go to you here. Which loss was, like, more alarming, if you ask me? Like, who's who's more in trouble right now, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Los Angeles Rams? I'm honestly going to say the Los Angeles Rams are more in trouble. One, I know he's really old, but, I mean, guy just got <clears throat> divorced with his wife. I don't know if that means he's about to play another 10 years, but, like, at the end of the day, like, you have the go on your team, Tom Brady. Like, I still have, he still throws the ball well. I know a lot of this was like garbage time yards, a lot of it just trailing through for 385, three touchdowns. And you look at the Bucs so far through four games. I mean, Godwin hasn't really played much. Mike Evans was suspended. Julio's been out. Like, I think the Bucs have, are not as doomed, like, if that was the word, like, more in trouble than the Rams just because, like, the Bucs are getting more guys back. You still have Tom Brady. Like, I have confidence they're going to figure it out. But, like, the Rams, like, if you watch their offense, like, outside of Cooper Cup, like, Allen Robinson, I think, yeah, he's just a bust right now. Like, free agent signings, like, you thought Allen – like, you thought Allen Robinson could come slide into that Odell or, like, even that – I mean, Odell's better than Robert Woods, but even Robert Woods as a wide receiver, too, is, like, a weapon. Like, Allen Robinson has done nothing, like no help to Cooper Cup, no help to Matthew Stafford, just like not doing anything. Cam Akers obviously kind of been a disappointment. Like you look outside of Cooper Cup, there's just not much there. I think the Rams lack weapons. I think the the Bucks got it. I'm still taking this stage in their career. I'm still taking Tom Brady over Matthew Stafford. I think the Rams defense is good, probably a little better than the Bucks, but I think overall, I'll say the Rams are in more trouble. And you know what's scary? I wouldn't even say, I think, the, I mean, the Bucks defense just got absolutely torched. But I mean, up until that point, the Bucs through three weeks were playing unbelievable football on the, on the defensive side of the ball. Their offense was just lacking a little bit behind. But I'm going to be in agreement with you, Core. The Tampa Bay at least had a little bit of an excuse to like their playmakers were hurt. And yeah, offensively, they were trailing on the game. But like Mike Evans was suspended, so he wasn't hurt. But he looked fine, you know what I mean? Back and caught two touchdowns in the first half. Chris Godwin looked nice and healthy. I know they just lost. Cole Beasley retired, but oh, well, who cares? Like, he was a non-factor anyway. So, I'm not too, too worried about the Buccaneers. I know they're 2-2 two and two at this point, but the it just alarms me that, like, this Rams offense is just, like, has not been explosive. And, like, if Cooper Cup was not there, it would actually scare me. Like, 
how bad they would be. Off like running the football too. That's been like kind of McVay's bread and butter really over the past couple of years. It's just it's been a struggle. It really has been. They're averaging 3.3 yards a carry too, which isn't good at all. They desperately need Cam Akers or Darrell Henderson to step up and do something. But again, I, I think it comes back to, like down to that. They've gotten away these past couple of years with the interior of their offensive line specifically, not really being great, but being covered up by their scheme. And now that they're, they lost a guy in the offseason, I think Colbert was the right guard who's not there anymore. Now, Brian Allen moved to like center or he was a center moving to guard. He's hurt now too. There's too many moving pieces there. Andrew Whitworth, they lost as well. They got a good replacement for him, but a lot of moving places and it's just almost like catching up to the Rams now. So I'm a little nervous for them. They play in a better division too. So at two and two, they definitely have to pick it up. And I mean, the 49ers dominated them on Monday night football again. So you're going to have to beat the 49ers if you want to get out of the NFC and if you want to get out of your own division. And watching those two teams fall court, it just makes people who have kind of bought into the Philadelphia Eagles hype train that much like happier because the Eagles go down 14 nothing. They finally face like a real test in the sense of, all right, let's see, can they overcome adversity? And they end up coming back. I think they scored 21 unanswered points in this one. They end up winning the game 29-21. Um, Lawrence, four f- lost fumbles and an interception. I know it was – a rainy day. I was kind of singing his his praises the week before. He'll be okay. Like I'm not too worried. I think it's more on the weather conditions. But I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from this Eagles team. Again, there's at this point, there's just no denying they they're, they're the best team right now in the NFC. Obviously, the only undefeated team left in football. A lot of credit goes to them. Uh, am I ready to claim them as the NFC? Like that changed my pick and said that to win the NFC. No, I'm not. But another impressive one to to silence the haters a little bit because again you could be like oh well the Eagles haven't gotten off script all year they've been up in games and stuff but guess what they were down 14 nothing against a Jacksonville Jaguars team that is severely underrated and could have been well on their way to three and one if they kept that 14 nothing lead so good for the Eagles here I don't like to give them a ton of credit but again they just continue to prove why they are right now the best team in the NFC yeah I mean they're very well balanced football teams both sides like yeah even in game where they go down 14 nothing like they scored 29 unanswered points like they can get it done I think Jalen Hurts I know he didn't throw the ball great in this game but I think his ability through the first um three even this game like yeah just his ability this year to like show like yeah he could sling it downfield like they got AJ Brown too um they got weapons and this Eagle team like you know how lethal they are on the ground Jalen Hurts a great running quarterback um, Miles Sanders had 27 carries on Sunday. Like he's capable of doing well. And yeah, on both sides, like I think this, they're just like the most complete team in the NFC. Like if you look at the, I think the AFC is better, but yeah, I think the NFC, like, yeah, there's definitely no denying, like it's hard to make a case, anything besides like the Eagles right now being the best team in, in the NFC. Yeah. You mentioned Miles Sanders. I mean, who's back of the week core? Penn State running back, Saquon Barkley, obviously, yeah. played, has been playing great. Miles Sanders playing some real good football. People are ready to write him off after a tough year last year. No, he's running the ball probably better than he has in his NFL career yet. So good for him and good for the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll pivot now, core to the AFC, specifically the AFC North. We're going to start right away with the John Harbaugh decision, core. About four minutes left in the game, fourth and goal from the two-yard line, tied at 20-20. to 20. Your defense just blew, or your team, I should say, just blew a 17-point lead. Are you going for a core? Are you kicking the field goal to go up three? When you have Josh Allen 
on on the other side of the ball, like I do not hate this at all. I think Josh Allen, him and Patrick Mahomes are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. I know I think what they ended up throwing an interception on that play. Like obviously they, they did. Yeah, they didn't get it. But like see, I, I I'm a guy who I'm not gonna necessarily go by the result of it. I'm more of a guy like the the mentality, like the process, like the decision. I like the decision to go for it. Like at the end of the day, like I'm a kicker. You you don't win games by by kicking field goals. Like obviously you can make it 23 to 20. You give the ball back to Josh Allen. He goes down, he marches, he scores a touchdown, like you, you lose. I think I think the mindset and like the mentality in this decision, um, I think it also like shows like he they really I think they did they, yeah, the the Ravens defense played pretty well, um, at least in the first half in this game. But I think this decision also shows maybe a little bit of a lack of confidence, like in his defense. Like he was like, Oh, we gotta go get a mm-hmm. touchdown and at least make this game go to overtime if we um can't stop him. So I don't know. I, I like the decision. I mean, early in the year, um, I know he, I think Harb was an aggressive coach. I also like he, like, gives his players, like, what they want to do. And, yeah, unfortunately, they didn't get it. And, I mean, the thing is the Bills, like, marched down anyway. Like, they literally got to, like, mm-hmm. the Baltimore one-yard line. So, like, who says they went to score a touchdown anyway? So, I, I like this. I like the decision, unfortunate result, but. Um, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, the win, the win probability folks, too, they love this decision of going for it here. And what Harbaugh said in his press conference, if you ask me, was really important. And he said that if you go up three, right, you kick the field goal there with four minutes left. The Buffalo Bills have an undisputed top five offense in football, undisputed, maybe even better, right? You're up three, though, with 3.30 left in the game. It's a four-down game now for Buffalo. So not, now, not only do the Ravens not have to stop them on three downs, they got to stop them on all four downs. You know what I mean? So – like that was also kind of in his mind on why he went for it there. Cause at least if you go up seven, you're protected in that sense of like, um, if they go down the field and score a touchdown, you're still at least going to overtime. So I think it was definitely the right play. I think the biggest part of that that went wrong was part of the benefit of you going for it fourth and goal from the two is that if you miss, they get the ball backed up inside their five yard line. And that changes their play calling. Like when you're, when Lamar throws the interception there, they get the ball at the 20. You can run your entire offense from the 20 going in. 20 with the rest of the – you know what I mean? You're not as backed up. If you're on the two-yard line, you probably have to run the ball. For, you know what I mean? So that was the biggest problem there. Lamar could absolutely not have thrown the interception there. It stinks. But it, it is – I thought it was 100% the right call too. Yes, and if you ask me, did he trust his defense? No, he didn't trust his defense either. So I think it was even that much more of a decision. Sometimes I think people will look back at – decisions from coaches and obviously be a Monday morning quarterback and be like, Oh, that was obviously the right call, the, the wrong call. You didn't get it. But I don't know. I just don't think you can really, like, I, I don't think it's a great argument. If you ask me to try to argue that, Oh, you should take the lead here with four minutes left, especially like, honestly, even if like, Oh, like, yeah, Baltimore has this 1985 bears defense and the bills offense hasn't done anything all day. All right. Yeah. Then you take your points and stuff like that. But that's why like some of these decisions, you can't just look at them in a vacuum. Like some of the, Factors do definitely go in. But like I said, I think the most important part of the thing was the interception, putting them now at the 20-yard line instead of them being at the two-yard line because that changes everything. That's a huge part of going for it right there from the two-yard line. For the Buffalo Bills, 
it was looking bad through the first half of football. You're thinking, Corey, you're calling them 17-0. and They lose to Miami, and now they go down big in Baltimore. But good for them to kind of bounce back. Nobody's worried about them. That's why we're kind of grazing over them. I love how, like, the Chiefs, too, we kind of just, like, grazed over. But the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills are both 3-1. and one, And they're, if you ask me, they're both clearly the two best teams in football. So, you We'll, we'll move past them. There will be plenty of them to talk about this year and hopefully for the near future. Hopefully they don't start falling off. If they do start falling off too, we'll be talking about them. Corey, let's instead talk about the Kenny Pickett era that started this past weekend in Pittsburgh, but not with good results because your New York Jets improved to 2-2. Two and two. Pickett was all right, 10 for 13, 120 yards, three interceptions. I know one of the interceptions went right through Claypool's hands. Another one I believe was on a Hail Mary. I can't think of the third one, but it wasn't like I saw, like, some stats. It was, like, turnover-worthy plays. He had zero of them. So, I, I got to look at it again to see to confirm that. Did run in for two touchdowns. Stole them from Najee Harris. As a Najee Harris fantasy owner, I was not happy. But Zach Wilson had a tremendous fourth quarter. And the Chets improved to 2-2 two and two with a go through the AFC North to go 2-2. Two and two. Pretty impressive for them in Wilson's 2022 debut. Yeah, I mean, um, first I'll start with Pickett. Like, the first one – you know, I kind of kind of went out of the house for a little bit. I missed the first interception. The second one hit off of Fryer Moot's hands and Michael Carter, um, defensive back on the Jets. Okay, the, the, the first one, I'll just – like the first one, Claypool. It was like Claypool. I don't know who picked it off. It might have been DJ Reed. But like everybody – like the thing was like this is what it's called, giving your 6'4 receiver on a 5'9 corner a chance. And like Claypool should have came down with the ball. Like you're yeah. checking – Claypool has to come down with the football there. Now, personally, from like Kenny Pickett, I liked what – I kind of liked what I saw from him. I thought he played well. I know, obviously, the box score does not look pretty at all, like three interceptions. Did have two rushing touchdowns, but, like, I think from what I saw from Kenny Pickett, I know, that, I know they already named him. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, Kenny Pickett is the start of this team going forward. I think he showed flashes. I think the ball was being moved on offense. Like, the energy seemed better. I think the fans, you could tell. Like, you could sense it. Like, they want Kenny Pickett, like, Mitch Trubisky at this stage is, I don't know. Like, I just, he, he I've, I've kind of given up on, like, Mitch Trubisky. Like, Mitch Trubisky, he's just, like, mediocre at best. Like, he's a game manager type quarterback. He's just, like, and like, obviously he doesn't have a great offense. But, like, I mean, the guy does have solid receivers. Like, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, like, Chase Claypool, like, those are, like, solid guys. Like, Claypool is a big body. I mean, Pickens out there just making catches, so. This is Pickett's job. I kind of like what I saw. Like, if I'm Mike Tom, I'm just saying, hey, go out there next week. Do do your thing. Keep doing that, and we'll be good. But, yeah, the Jets going to 2-2. Two and two. This is a game. Uh, it seemed like it was getting away from them in the third quarter when Pickett came in. It was uh 20-10. to 10. And, yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson, like, all game did not look great, but the fourth quarter came around. And when it when it mattered most, he he delivered. Had some nice completions to Corey Davis in the fourth. Um, Elijah Moore, like Garrett Wilson, just making like big-time catches. So Tyler Conklin, too. I liked what I saw from the Jets in the fourth quarter, but like I need to see more of it. I mean, the defense did pretty well, but this is obviously like a bottom-tier type offense right now in Pittsburgh. I think next week, even with Teddy, um, that'll be a pretty big test for, for them. But, yeah, to go two and two through four games, like, there were debates like the Jets were going to go 0-4, like start even worse than 0-4. Like their first like 9-10 games were brutal. And for them to go 2-2, two and two, I don't care. 
I don't care how it was done. I don't care who was quarterback for the Jets. I don't care who was quarterback for the other team. Like you, if you tell the Jets fan, you tell the Jets team, you tell Robert Tyler, like you're going to be two and two after four games through the AFC North. He's going to be like, I'll take that. And, and we move from there. So, yeah, I think that fourth quarter definitely was great to see uh, momentum from Zach Wilson. And I think him being home in, um, in net life, I think, yeah, I hope, I think the Jets are going to keep it going. I think the energy is going to be there. And I think they're going to show strides this season and definitely be competitive. But, yeah, good win from the Jets. Yeah, I mean, this just keeps circling back to how the Jets are just doing this right and this whole process of, like, rebuilding, in a sense, with surrounding Wilson with ample talent and giving themselves a chance to see, will this quarterback who they invested the second overall pick in succeed and will he be our franchise quarterback? And a game like Sunday against a deep – I mean, I know Pittsburgh's defense has been pretty bad without T.J. Watt even over the past – they haven't won like in the past three years, I think, without T.J. Watt. Still, you go into Pittsburgh and lead a fourth-quarter comeback and play as well as he did in that fourth quarter. Hats off to you in your first game this season. You just look around the league, the Jets 2-2. Two and two. The Jet, like Jets fans will tell you, too, their team's not winning the Super Bowl this year. But there's such a different feeling if you ask me about the Jets' promise in the future. And then you go to like a team like Houston with Davis Mills. And yes, they don't have a great roster around him. Or you go to Chicago with Justin Fields and there's still so much uncertainty there. It just goes again, like for like Jeff Ben should be so happy about how Joe Douglas has done such a great job and Robert Sala just implementing a culture there and just fixing this team. This team was lifeless a year and a half ago. So like, I mean, do you, do you remember how bad it was when they were trying to tank inadvertently for Lawrence and then they messed up the tank? So really, I mean, I'm, a, I'm jealous a little bit how well that the Jets have done in this rebuilding process. And Sunday's win, again, is just like a reflection of like, honestly, like they earned it in that sense of how, of how well that they've been doing it throughout every step of the way there. So good for Zach Wilson there. I mean, again, you want to talk about setting up your young quarterback for success. They bring in, obviously, Garrett Wilson in the first round. They brought in. Elijah Moore last year. They signed Dwayne Brown even when Becton goes down. I know Bet Brown went hurt, but they signed his offensive lineman and stuff. Then you look at, like, I mean, I'm not going to throw Pittsburgh under the bus here, but Kenny Pickett, right, is going to make his first career start. Where is he going to make his first career start? On the road in Buffalo. That is horrendous. That's one of the toughest things for a rookie quarterback to do. Where will he go after that? He will be at home, but he will be against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Then he will go to Miami to play the Dolphins, to Philadelphia to play the Eagles, and then they at home against the Saints, and then at home against Cincinnati. I mean, I just named six teams, you could argue – all of them have top 10 defenses. I mean, that is an absolutely brutal stretch for a young quarterback to have to go in there and take over. I know necessarily you can't control who is on your schedule. So it was good, I think, that they got picking into this game, at least against the Jets, to kind of get him some game action against the defense that's not as strong. And I think that's kind of what Mike Tomlin was deciding in the back of his head, maybe like, we don't want to just throw him into the fire against one of these great defenses. Maybe we want to like, it's kind of like now or never in a sense. And what was it? Through halftime, I think it was like 10-6 in this game, this Jets game. So it, it was the right call, I think, to go to Pickett. And Pittsburgh's got the Kenny Pickett error underway. I don't know if Tom Tomlin's streak, if you ask me, is in jeopardy of – I mean, he's has never finished under 500 at 1-3 and three with a rookie quarterback. And that stretch of games that I just laid out, it's going to be pretty difficult. But – at least Pittsburgh fans are kind of getting what they want. And for how good that they've been, you know what I mean? Maybe they're due for a little bit of regression. They do have a lot of holes on their offensive line, and they desperately need T.J. Watt back on the defensive side of the ball. 
core. That's going to bring it to our game picks. And before we kind of get into, well, during our first game pick, because two of these teams play each other, we'll discuss a little bit more in depth about these two teams. On Thursday Night Football, the Indianapolis Colts will travel to Denver to play the Broncos. The Broncos are three-point favorites in this game. This line actually might have went up about a half a point or a point since Jonathan Taylor is ruled out for this one. I believe he has a high ankle sprain, so definitely keep an eye out for him in the next couple weeks. Who knows what his availability is. Unfortunately, on the other side of things, Javante Williams Javante Williams is out for the year with a torn ACL, and he actually tore something else in his knee. It wasn't just like sometimes a clean ACL tear is like not too bad to recover from, which is just so sad because Javante Williams is so explosive with the ball in his hands ever coming out since coming out of UNC. Melvin Gordon has kind of capped his upside a little bit, but Melvin Gordon fumbled again against the Raiders. It looked like Javante would finally take like take over that role, like a bell cow role. But unfortunately, injuries were working against him for a Denver Broncos offense that has been so disappointing. And even for the Indianapolis Colts that have been so disappointing. I mean, both these teams to lose, I don't want to say they're star. They're obviously, Jonathan Taylor is the star of the Colts offense. Outside of him and Michael Pittman, they really don't have – They're I know they have a good offensive line that hasn't played great. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, Jonathan Taylor is – Jonathan. that offense revolves around Jonathan Taylor. And Javante Williams is the best skill player on – the Denver Broncos, maybe outside of Cortland Sutton too. So for two offenses and two teams that have just been disappointing so far to lose like that dynamic of a talent. I mean, it, it's got to suck for both of these two teams. Yeah. I mean, I think both these teams like going into the season, the playoffs weren't even like a, like it was supposed to be like set, like they're sharpied in core. Yeah. Both these, you know what I mean? You're sharpieing both these two teams in and now we're through four weeks. Denver has looked brutal. The Denver's the worst two and two team that I think I've seen. Not like roster wise, playing wise, Denver's the has to be one of the worst two and two teams I've seen. And Indianapolis should be oh oh three and one. They they should not have. And oh three and one is generous. They should be zero four. They should not have won the game against Kansas City, and they were lucky to tie in Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean both these teams have been really bad. I don't know if this. I, I mean like both these teams like have talent, but the it, like. On paper, like you look before the season, like you look at oh Colts Broncos, like yeah, should be a solid game. I mean, I just I don't even think this is a game where like yeah, like both these teams like find themselves a little bit. Like I just think both these teams right now are just like need a lot of like adjustments, like a lot of way to go up. I think both teams are talented enough to make that happen, but like right now, I just don't see them like both teams like oh like flipping a switch. And just going out there and having like a really competitive game, but um, we're doing a game pick on this, or just yeah, take your pick. Oh, okay. I mean, minus three and a half. I mean, it is. It's a tough spread. I mean, I think the Broncos. The, the, the Broncos are they going to even score three points after watching them last Monday night? Yeah, and I mean, they, they played and they played bad too. If you ask, like that Raiders game. I know the Raiders were better than their record, but they played bad in that game as well. I like the Raiders. I did like the Raiders in that game, but like. Mm-hmm. You tell me, I mean, three and a half. I guess I'll take the Colts plus three and a half, but I think the Broncos win this game. I think I don't know at home. The Colts with no Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Matt Ryan has looked pretty bad this year, so I don't know. I think the Colts are a team who's had a good defense, and they keep trying to like jump from like Philip Rivers, who was past his prime, to Carson Wentz, who was like a guy who probably passed his prime. And then they jump to Matt Ryan, another guy, like, probably past his prime. Like, they keep trying to get these veteran guys to come in and, like, lead the way. And honestly, like, it's not working. 
could talk about this another time. But I think the Colts may be a team, if they could trade up and go get a nice, good young quarterback with that defense, I think it would be really big. But yeah, I'm going to take the Broncos to win, but I'll take, I guess I'll take the Colts plus three and a half. Like this should, I don't think this is going to be a good game, though. Yeah, I mean, neither do I. I know the Colts won't have Shaq Leonard in this game, too, which is a big miss. I'll go, I'll take the Broncos and I'll swallow the points with them. I don't feel great about it, but I, I feel even worse about this Colts offense without Jonathan Taylor to spearhead it. So I'll take the Broncos there in what should be a low scoring game. I mean, if this game ends up with both teams in like both teams in the 20s, I'd be pretty, or like the high 20s, I should say, I'd be pretty surprised. I think the under would be a good shade if I had more of a pick in this game. Moving on to another game, I think surprisingly, I think we'll see some decent defense and the Cowboys travel to Los Angeles to play the Rams. The Rams are four and a half point favorites here. I mean, we kind of both slandered the Rams in the beginning of this episode. Cooper Rush will be the quarterback there. I love how Jerry Jones now is like, yeah, Dak Prescott, he's not ready yet. Cooper Cups, Cooper Rush is 3-0. He's not, he's not ready yet. With that being said, I'm actually going to take Dallas with the points here. I think four and a half is a decent number for them. They got a better defense, too, with how well they've been playing. I, I can't see Cooper Rush, though, going to L.A. and winning this football game. So I'm going to side with the Rams in almost just like – I don't want to say it's a to-save-your-season type of win because I don't think that's fair to say through five weeks, right, and, and at 2-2. Two and two. But, like, just the feeling that, like, maybe you'll walk out of this game with the Rams. I think the Rams win this one late and close, and you'll be like, all right. Like, yes, it's not – they're not as good as last year, but, like, yes, this is still a team that's going to compete. Whereas, like, you know what I mean? They lose this game with Cooper Rush in L.A. It's almost like you kind of got to look in your mirror, like, we're maybe, we're, maybe we're not the best team in our own division. So I think this is a game that Sean McVay absolutely has to have, especially when you're going up against Mike McCarthy. So I'll take the Rams to win, but I will take the Cowboys to cover four and a half. I don't like agreeing with you, but like I think it's gonna be a pretty close game, and I want to pick Dallas Cowboys. Like, uh, I mean, with Cooper Rush, like their defense has been a top unit in the league. I think this is also gonna be a game like a lot of defense. Like, I don't think both these. Like, I don't think you like. I don't know. Maybe the. I don't think they get over forty combined points. Um, I think I think Dallas defense will be able to stop the. The Ram, not stop, but like definitely like slow them down. And I think the game's gonna be in Cooper Rush's hands. If he can go out there and ball out, I think the Cowboys could win this game. But like like you said, like I just don't really see it happening that much. Yeah, I'll take Dallas to cover, but I just think the Rams in this situation just find a way to win this game with a backup quarterback. I know Rush is undefeated, but like he's a backup. I just I just think the Rams will find a way to win this game. But I'll take Dallas yeah. to cover points. Listen, we've said this a couple times now. A lot of new pieces on that Dallas offensive line. I know they're getting maybe a little bit more comfortable, but this is a type of game where Aaron Donald just needs to wreak havoc and Leonard Floyd on that Rams defense. You know, like put matters, take matters into your own hands right now and go win your team a football game. Moving on to the Sunday night game. This is, this is a good battle in the AFC North. The Cincinnati Bengals will finally get tested, as I mentioned, with a real good quarterback. One of the best in the league, traveling to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Ravens are three-point favorites in this game. Obviously, we know how well Joe Burrow did against the Ravens last year. I think they scored 34 points. And the other one, they scored, what, like 40-something? I know they were throwing out anybody at corner in that second game. I'm going to take Baltimore here with the three points. I don't feel great about it knowing that their defense – I think I saw a stat today. Baltimore's, like, trailed for 14 seconds this year and they're all in, and they're yeah. two and two. I mean, I don't like 
when your defense is getting gashed specifically in the second half and you're letting teams come from behind like that, that never makes me sick good. Like good teams put teams away. Like the Kansas City Chiefs put Tampa Bay away early in that game. Like their offense too continued. Like, yeah, they let Brady get theirs, but their offense continued to keep their foot on the gas there. I'm going to take the Ravens here and just just think the Ravens are a better football team. And I just think that like, I don't know. I don't have much to it, I guess, Core. I really don't. The Bengals have been, yes, they rebounded nice these past two weeks. But like I said, just go from the level of quarterback that they played. And I just can't see the Ravens dropping this game. I think the Ravens now have dropped five straight home games or something like that. This would be their third home loss this year. And this is a game that the Ravens, if again, if they want to look at themselves as a true Super Bowl contender. Now, you've blown a lead to Miami. You've blown a lead to Buffalo. we got to start beating some real good teams. Let's go beat Cincinnati this week, and let's go take the tie, uh, the number one spot right now in the AFC North. So I'll take Baltimore here. And just I'll, I'll take it from the Lamar Jackson effect. There you go. There's my analysis. Lamar Jackson will win them this football game. Yeah, I mean, I picked the Bengals to win the AFC North before the season, but I don't know. Even in that – Thursday night game, like they really did not impress me at all. I think Baltimore a good like, yeah. I mean they've been trailing for fourteen seconds, and they've played two hundred forty minutes in four games. They've been trailing for fourteen seconds, and they're two and two. So like easily this team could be four and zero. Like it's just unfortunate they're not. I think yeah they're a top team in the NFL right now. So at home, Lamar Jackson. I'm gonna what is the spread three three and a half three. I got three. Three. Okay, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna take the Ravens to win and to cover. I think Lamar at home. I know they lost twice to the to the Bengals last year, but I don't know this 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 Ravens team. Like the only their problem so far has been like closing games out. So I think they get it done here and they cover the spread, and win the game, and uh, yeah, win this AFC North battle. Yeah, it's a good thing you mentioned even that Thursday night. Like that Thursday night game didn't seem like it was really one that like. Cincinnati necessarily went out there and won. You know what I, I'm not going to say, like, you know what I mean? That was just like them taking advantage of like good opportunities and stuff like that, which again, I'm not going to go hurt them for that. I'm not going to dock them for that. They still won the game and stuff, but I, I feel better that at this point through four weeks in the season, the Baltimore Ravens are a better football team than Cincinnati. So I'll go with them. Although Cincinnati will need their defense to step up big time in this one. So let's see if it wasn't just level of quarterback play that this is a really good defense. So we'll have to wait and see the Monday night game core is an AFC West showdown. The Raiders travel to Kansas City for the Chiefs. Chiefs are seven point favorites here. I ain't picking against the Chiefs after what I just saw they did on Sunday night football. So I'm going to take the Chiefs minus seven here. A lot of points to swallow. I mean, a couple years ago, you remember when Derek Carr and company went to Kansas City and beat them during the day on Sunday. I, there should be a lot of points in this game. I, I'd hope so with how explosive both these teams' offenses are. But, I mean, it's just like the Chiefs haven't lost a beat. Like, they really have an offense. Like, it's crazy. You could lose a top five, like, undisputed receiver in the league and your offense is still absolutely rolling. So, yeah, I'm going to go with them. I mean, although the Raiders said they looked better this past week, they even scored a defensive touchdown to playing a little bit more complimentary football. But with that being said, I'm still going to go with the Chiefs. Although seven points is a lot to swallow in a division game. I wouldn't hate maybe at the number flipping it, but I hate to, I hate to go back on what I said. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, st- I'll stick with Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I think the I was completely wrong. I didn't think the Chiefs would be like a bad team, but I was acting like the – departure of Tyree Kill is going to be a big obstacle to overcome for like Patrick Mahomes in this offense and clearly like yeah they haven't missed a beat I think Patrick Mahomes just reminding me and everyone like yeah he he's still the best quarterback in the league him and Josh Allen 
are um, 1A, 1B type, in my opinion. But, yeah, seven points at home, I, I don't know. I think this game's going to be – you know what? I'm going to call an exact push, man. I think I think the Chiefs win this game by, by one touchdown. I mean, obviously, even if I get this right, we don't need to, like, act like this is a big deal. This is this is kind of luck. I mean, anyone who can predict an actual push, like you, you can't do that pretty often. Like I'll call this luck, but at, at the end of the day, like I just think this is gonna be a like a close type game. I think the Chiefs win this game by a touchdown. So I'll call it an exact push. You know, that's it. Chiefs win this game by seven. It's a push. Yeah, listen. I mean, I was I kind of like maybe was a little less confident as I started talking. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't feel great about the Chiefs laying seven points here. So I, I take what you want with that. I just think that with the Raiders' initial struggles this year, I'm not going to overreact to that nice win that they had against the Denver Broncos. I mean, this is still a team that lost in Tennessee, who Tennessee hasn't been a great team. And this is also a team that blew a second-half lead to the Arizona Cardinals at home. So I'm not going to – you know what I mean? I'm not going to maybe necessarily overreact. I'm going to stick – with the Kansas City Chiefs. But with that being said, Core, that's going to do it for today's episode. Definitely great to talk some week four football, preview some week five. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the deep ball underscore. With that being said, take care, everybody. Have a good one.